Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you this morning. Happy Christmas, nearly. Everybody, oh, somebody's getting excited. It's the grown-ups. Great. Well, yes, we're continuing with our Christmas series. Now, as I was preparing the talk this morning, not this morning, for this morning, that would have been a bit of a pressure. Um, this has just slipped down. This, this, this is broken, isn't it? There's no uh, thing, anything. Hmm, Okay. Just be, have, be prepared just in case, because if I lean on it, it's going to go. Anyway, um, yes, as I was preparing this talk for this morning, I, I, I felt that God had a word for us, something for you, something for me, something for us, and anybody listening online in this particular season. So I'm going to say what it is first, so that you can track through it through the message and then I'll repeat it at the end so you don't, you don't lose in the many words and in the teachings, you don't lose what I think God might be saying to you. Okay? And it's very simple. It's just this. Expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. A little bit like when Sarah gave that story about the stocking being put up and... It's a, you know what it's like, every one of us who experiences this, the stocking thing on Christmas morning. It's like, we're expecting it, but we're surprised as well. It's a, it's, it's a non-expected surprise. So expect the unexpected, that God wants to do something unexpected in your life, but when it happens, you go, well, that's typical of God. <laughs> So let's have a look at this story and see how Mary had an unexpected expectation. Because Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Deliverer, was expected by the people of Israel for thousands and thousands and hundreds and hundreds of years. They expected something like this to happen. It was prophesied that a virgin would give birth. It was expected by the whole community. So let's have a look at the scriptures together. Thank you very much. Let's bring up the first slide. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. My word, this top dog of an angel who stands before the throne of God, gets sent by God Almighty to an, uh, 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 an obscure little village in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Next slide. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting might this be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. Savior. That's what the word means. Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the son of the most highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. The, uh, his kingdom will never end. How can this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I'm a virgin. The angel answered. The Holy Spirit. 
come, will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Expect the unexpected. There was a great expectation in Israel for the Savior of the world to be born, but Mary didn't expect this. But what she didn't expect happened. But she didn't expect it to happen to her. And I want to encourage you to expect the unexpected. How can this be? Even when the angel said to it, she said, how can this be? But he gave a hint, didn't he, earlier on, because he said, no, the angel said, no word of God will fail. Elizabeth was promised a baby when she couldn't conceive. Not only couldn't she conceive all the days of her life, but now she was well past the age of childbearing. But an angel turned up to her saying, God has a word for you. Well, he turned up to her husband. God has a word for you, Zacharias, husband of Elizabeth. Your wife is going to have a baby. And it came to pass. What is impossible with man is impossible with God. What we can't expect because we don't have the ability or the imagination to conceive it. God can do it. Great scripture this morning from Sarah. She read it. God can do more than we ask. I haven't asked because I don't think he'll ever do that. I can't even imagine that that could be possible. But God can do it. We know that God can do the impossible. We know that God can answer the most unimaginable prayer requests. But then we don't imagine that that could be done. For me. For you. For us, maybe. And yet we know it can. But I want you to know that God wants us to expect the unexpected in this season of our lives. He can come to you. He can meet with you. Mary was a young woman. She was poor. She lived in the sticks. She couldn't read probably. She probably couldn't write. No one would have thought that Mary could have been a world changer. Mary didn't think her life could turn out to be the most significant woman that has ever been born or ever will be born. She was a nobody. She had no standing significance. Even Nazareth was a tiny little village town. But she had an unexpected experience, but she was expecting something like this was happen, but she didn't expect it for herself. Mary would have had this type of thing a million miles from her thinking. But one thing we can learn from this passage and throughout the scriptures, what can we do? We can expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected in your life. Expect the unexpected in this season. Expect it. 
You might not know how it's going to work out. You might even say, how can this be? But if God wants to do something, he can do it, and he can do it in a manner, in a way that you don't expect. But when it happens, you go, well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Just like the stocking. Oh, I've got a tangerine. What a surprise. Not really, <laughs> but I'm surprised. So be open and be responsive and be daring in this season because something unbelievable that is totally believable because we know who God is can happen in your experience. Now, I want to share three unexpected things that have happened to me and happened to Sarah in the course of the years. Um, and the reason I want to share these stories is because there's a number of ways in which God teaches us about who he is, um, our own hearts, and what he wants to do, and the nature of him and his kingdom. There's a number of ways Jesus taught. He taught through teaching. The Sermon on the Mount, a classic example. He, he was on a mountain, they came to, and he taught them. He taught in the synagogue. He taught them in the synagogue. Wasn't always accepted what he taught, but he taught. He would teach his disciples through conversation, on the journey, on the road, around the dinner table, and he taught them. He taught them through stories, the parables they're called, the stories that make you think, well, what does he mean by that? But it gets our, our minds working so that we can have insight into you know, heavenly, heavenly truths in, explained in earthly ways. And he also taught through miracles. Time and time again, as you look through the Gospels, when Jesus performed a miracle, he often would explain the spiritual significance of it afterwards to his disciples. And he teaches through the activities that he does in his life. So I want to share three unexpected things that teach us things about God. Um, Forgive me if some of you have heard some of these stories, but I know many of you wouldn't. Okay, the first one, Sarah and I, it was before we were actually married. I, I don't even know if we were engaged at this time, I'm, but it was, it was a while ago. So uh, Sarah and I one day went for a day out into Tenby, the South Beach of Tenby. There's Tenby Beach, many of you have been there. It's absolutely massive. We went for a walk, and uh, Sarah was given... Oh, not given, she was loaned a watch from a lady called Ruth who went to her father's church, her church back in Selsey. And uh, Ruth and Sarah were close friends. Ruth was a widow. And her husband, before he died, had given Ruth this watch. And so it was very precious to Ruth. And uh, she found out that uh, Sarah's watch had broken. She said, oh, borrow mine. My husband gave me this. And so Sarah took this watch, but she was very careful with it because she, when she knew that she, when she got one of her own and bought one, she would have given it back. So she looked after it. And we happened to go down the beach in Tenby, and uh, Sarah took the watch off her wrist, put it in her pocket so that we would be, so it wouldn't get all mucked up and spoilt with the sand or anything of that nature. Well, we, we spent the whole day down the beach, sitting on the beach, having a picnic, going for a walk. We just, we did the whole shebang. We went all over the place. And uh, late in the evening, just before the sun began to set, we came up the steps into the car park area. I remember pulling my side of the car door open. Sarah, before she opened her door, went into to get from her pocket the watch, and it had gone. Somehow, on that beach, somewhere, anywhere, sand dunes, we were all over the place, it was gone. And she said, I've lost Ruth's watch. And I said to her, 
that's a shame. Pulled the car, and I was just about to get in because, hey, it was a shame. It was a shame. But look, come on, let's get real. There is no way we are going to find that watch. So I'm thinking, shame, let's go home. <laughs> and Sarah said, we're going to have to go and look for it. And I saw a look in her eye that, knew, that said, no matter how much I was, 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 insist that you are asking for an impossible thing here to find this watch, that we were going to have to look for it. Because it meant so much to her, and it had a lot, and obviously great sentimental value to Ruth. And they had a very deep and caring relationship with each other. She was a long-term member of the church and knew Ruth from a little girl. And she knew Ruth from a little girl. So I remember closing the car door and walking down the steps. And I prayed this prayer. I said quietly underneath my breath, I said, Lord, you're going to have to help us find this watch or we'll be here all night. And in that split moment, something really unexpected happened. I saw what, there was no Instagram in those days, but I saw the equivalent of like an Instagram clip. It was probably about 10, 15 seconds. And I saw that we were on some aspect of the beach, very random. I can't remember where, but we were just, you know. And then Sarah went like this, looking on the ground. And without thought, premeditation, totally instinctive. I didn't say, oh, I will do this here now. I just went down on one knee like this, put my hand in the sand up to my wrist and pulled this. This is what happened in the clip. Pulled my hand out of the sand, opened it up, and there was the watch. Well, at some point on our journey of looking for this watch, Sarah went like this. And then without any thought or premeditation. I just went down on one knee, put my hand up to my wrist in the sand, pulled it out, this is in reality now, pulled it out, opened up, and there was the watch. There was the watch. It was... <laughs> Unbelievable. Seriously. Unbelievable, totally unexpected. Because I, when I'm praying this prayer, Lord, you're going to have to find us watch over all night. I am just kind of letting off a bit because I'm a bit, I was a bit miffed, you know what I mean? Because I think we're going to be here all night, Lord, you're going to have to find this watch. I never one minute expected that. And I learned something really significant that day. Because I asked myself, because I pondered, it was such a remarkable miracle, I asked myself this question. Why would God do that? I mean, let's face it, it's just a watch. And, it, and I know it had sentimental value, and I know Sarah couldn't face going back and saying, oh, I've lost your watch and all that. But in the scale of things, in the scale of world events, it wasn't of great significance. I mean, we've got Ukraine wars going on, and there was always stuff going on in the world. It wasn't of great significance. Why would God do such a remarkable miracle? And it was simple. I learned something about the nature of God and prayer and his involvement in our life. It doesn't matter how big or how small your need or concern is, if it's a concern to you and it's 
heavy upon your heart and a distress upon your heart and a concern to you, God feels it, owns it, and is there for you in it. You see, he's not a man. The Bible says his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our thoughts. We kind of measure the importance of things. Oh, if it's a real big, big problem, and there's going to be what we're normally thinking of great significance, well, put it on the shelf. Let's leave it. We'll deal with the big stuff only. It's not that important. But God's not like that. If your heart is hurting, if your heart is concerned, if your heart feel something deeply, if you're upset about something, and, it, and to everybody else it might be a tiny thing, but to you it's a big deal, God sees it as a big deal. He doesn't think like we do. So we don't, disqualif- don't disqualify yourself from answers to prayer. Don't disqualify yourself from God's intervention. If it's a big deal to you, it becomes a big deal to God. Why? Because he's a father, he's a parent. I can remember many times when our children would come home from school. This is an example. They might be like upset about something as little toddlers from nursery or whatever and infant school. And it might be something as simple as they've written, they've drawn something. And one of their friends have taken it, torn it up. And they're crying over this, their friend that has been mean to them in the playground or torn up a little painting. And, I mean, this is different between men and women. I'm thinking, what are you worried about? It's going to go in the bin. (laughs) The mother goes, on the fridge. (laughs) Anyway, we learn as we go on. But here's the thing. When you see your children, even though they're toddlers, upset about something, what do you want to do? You want to solve it for them, doesn't it? It's not a world-changing event. But you want to fix it. You want to soothe their emotions. You want to do something that will pacify the pain in their heart. You want to take them in your arms. It's going to be all right. We'll make another one. Come on, we'll sit down. We'll draw another one. We'll get the coloring out. And you do whatever you can to, to engage with them, even though consequentially in the scale of things, it's not a big deal. But God is a father, and that's how he treats you. And I want to say the first thing you can do is expect the unexpected. No matter how big or small it might be in the scale of things, if your heart is hurting, God wants to rush in. That's who he is. The second thing I learned, we learned together, is when when we first started the church over 31 years ago now, Uh, Some of you may know this. We started it from very small beginnings. There was um, nine of us, including Sarah and myself, actually. There was what we called, we thought they were an older couple because they were in their 40s and we were in our 20s. We thought they were old. Now we think 40 is young. (laughs) But we thought they were an older couple and they, they were unemployed and they didn't have a job. And they came to support us. They came to pray. Then there were five younger other people, many of them are still with us today, and there were young people between the ages 18 and 23. So we didn't start, and we started in our home, so we didn't start with what we got now, we started with 35 pounds. And the first couple of years, 
was really, really, really difficult. And so we, when we hired in Penland Community Center, we went there because it only cost us five quid because that's all we could afford as a church. And so we were really, really struggling. It meant that Sarah and I really, well, the bottom line is we didn't eat every day. There were times when we would fast for maybe 20 days or 30 days because we, we had a choice. We either feed the children or we eat. Uh, and uh, we couldn't do both. So we would go without food, make it positive, turn it into a fast and pray, and uh, so we could feed the children and pay our bills. We, that was the choice we had, and it was okay. It's a great learning journey. But the times that it really, really, really felt it a bit, wasn't it, is Christmas. So I remember our first Christmas. We started the church in, uh, I think, uh, November the 5th, we started the church first Christmas, and we couldn't afford a Christmas dinner, so we had turkey pizza. So we didn't have turkey, but we wanted to be Christmassy, but that's all we could afford. Now, thankfully, the kids were so small, it was great for them to have turkey pizza, so it was, it was no big deal. The second Christmas, I remember, we're, we're in the same situation, because pioneering is quite a challenge in the first couple of years. And um, we didn't, again, we didn't know what we were going to do for Christmas, and we couldn't even afford any treats or little special things. You know, the tangerine and the sock. Well, maybe we could afford the tangerine and the sock, but that was, it was a difficult one. And I remember one day, uh, a new lady from the, a new convert came and, came to visit us, didn't you? I was out, and Sarah was in, in the house, and uh, she knocked on the door, and she came in, and uh, Sarah was doing something, so this particular lady said, oh, I'll, I'll make us a cup of tea, shall I? Because we had kind of an open home, it was in and out type of deal, so she went into the kitchen, and uh, I wasn't there, but this is basically what happened. She opened the fridge, there was no milk, there was no tea bags, there was no sugar, there was nothing there, it was just better, and so she came out with two glasses of water, didn't this... Fantastically, never said a thing, never made a comment, just gave Sarah a glass of water, she had a, had a glass of water, they had a chat and she went home. So that's how, that's how challenging it was. And we thought, how are we ever going to um, manage with this? And this went on not just the one year, but I think it went on for three years. And then on the third year of this, um, same thing again, knocking on the, there was a knock on the door. And I opened the door, because I was home on this occasion, I opened the door, and a head teacher, not a head teacher, a teacher from, a, from Morriston Comprehensive School was there. And I used to go and take assemblies in Morriston Comprehensive School, just like many of our team do today, they do, do schools work. And he, and he, I didn't even know how he knew where I lived. And behind him was a whole trail, or a gang, of six-form boys. And so there was the teacher and a whole gang of six-born boys. And then he said, can we come in? And so you don't say no, so I let him in. And these six-born boys were carrying boxes, open boxes. I mean, there was loads of them. I mean, not just one or two. There was like, there could have been a dozen of them. And they were full of food and goodies and treats and Christmassy things. And even though we didn't expect that and we didn't ask for it, it was totally unexpected. In that season, and we found that in that season, God did something totally unexpected. He gave us more food than we could eat with treats for the kids as well. 
We didn't ask for it. We didn't expect it. And what had happened is that they'd had a community collection, just like we're having today to give our treat boxes out. But they had more than they could get rid of. And so somehow, in the unexpected economy of God, God put it upon this man's heart, who I didn't know very well, but I went and did school assemblies, to give the boxes, and they were for us. They were for us, so we knocked them in. They said, these were for you. And he gave them, and then he left. And we're just looking at this, thinking, we got food for Christmas. There's like chocolatey things and nice things for our kids. And it was amazing. And we knew that there was a couple of struggling people in our church financially, so it was we, we we shared it. It was enough for them, enough for us. And God did something that we didn't ask for. We shared and feasted. And it was kind of an unexpected, expected provision from God. Because we knew that he was faithful. Mary didn't ask the angel to come knocking on her door. We didn't ask for these unexpected arrivals. The Bible says, before you call, I will answer. God put this thing on the teacher's mind to provide for us. And as we look at these Xmas boxes today, these Christmas boxes that we've begun to collect, what a relief it's going to be for so many people. And the people that have these boxes, many, many, many of them will not be expecting it. But God has put it on our hearts to do something for our community. God has put it upon your heart and mind to bring a box and it's going to go to somebody you don't even know and they're going to read and see it and they will say to themselves, who would have do something? I don't even know the person who has created and the family that have created this Christmas parcel for me. Totally unexpected because who kind of does that type of thing. I want to encourage you, just like Mary had an angelic visitation and she had an unexpected visit from God's angel, you can be somebody's angel this Christmas. And you can be used by God to do something unexpected for them. And God wants to encourage you to expect the unexpected as well in this season. My last story as I finish. Is an interesting one. A number of years ago, I, I went to Chicago. And I went to Chicago because there was a church up there. It was Willow Creek Church. And it was back in the day, there's the church, and uh, it was back in the day where this church has had a phenomenal amount of success in, in leading people to Christ, growing the church. They, um, like us in many ways, started with just a handful of kids. Um, I think it was in a school hall or something like that. And now look at it. They had 20,000 people, and they're seeing thousands and thousands of people coming to Christ, and we knew about this church, and I said, I just want, I want to go and take a look. I want my 
heart to be expanded. I want my faith to grow. I want to see, well, if God can do that for them, maybe he can do that for us. I wanted to be stretched. And so I was, I was in the States uh, visiting some friends and doing some ministry. And I knew, well, before I fly back, I fly from one end of the States to the other end of the States, and I will visit this church. So I flew into Chicago Airport. I booked a hotel and uh, I decided to go to the five o'clock service because I had a five o'clock Saturday service so I could get back, get my flight back early next morning and back home. Now, here's the problem. The transport trains, buses, it's not like it is over here. So you can't, you can't, it's no point catching a train or a bus there. And knowing me, anybody who knows anything about my navigational skills, I'd probably end up in Mexico or something, you know. So I decided to catch a taxi. It, it, it's, it's a little bit more money than I prefer to pay, but it, was, it would get me there safely and back. So I planned it perfectly. And I went to the reception and I said, will you order me a taxi uh, to arrive at a certain time that would get me this 40-mile 40, 40 journey? 40-mile journey. Oh, sorry, sorry, forgive me. 40-minute journey to get me there on time. And I'm waiting outside. Taxi, waiting. No, it's got to lead a certain time or I'll miss it. Miss it. No, it's not here yet. I'll give it five minutes. Give it 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I'm thinking, if that taxi doesn't turn up soon, I am going to miss it. And I've come all the way here, paid the money. I'm here and I'm going to miss my opportunity. And I don't know if I'll get an opportunity to do it again. And, I, and I'm thinking, what do I do? And I said, Lord, I'm going to miss this taxi. I'm going to miss this opportunity. What do I do? Do I order another taxi? What do I do? And I felt like I heard the Lord say, go back into reception. Say, my taxi hasn't turned up. Please order another one and let the taxi driver know I need to go to South Barrington. First time I didn't say that. I didn't say South Barrington. I said, can you get me a taxi? Let the taxi driver know I need to go to South Barrington. I felt, I heard the Lord tell me to say that specifically. So straight away, I turned around, went through the doors to reception, said to the lady, the taxi has not turned up. Will you order me another taxi? And please, will you let the taxi driver know I need to go to South Barrington? At that precise moment, there was a, a, a fella with his um, uh, grown-up daughter. And the daughter turned around to me and she said, where in South Barrington do you want to go? And I said, I want to go to Willow Creek Community Church. 40-minute 40, 40 drive away. I want to go to Willow Creek Community Church. She said, me and my dad live there. We live next door to that church. We'll take you there. That was totally unexpected. I mean, to be fair, I prayed, Lord, would you help? To sense God speaking to me, go and order another taxi, was unexpected in itself. When I said, get me another taxi, go to South Barrington, I expected that would have uh, caused the taxi firm to go, oh, this is going to be a good run. This is a moneymaker. Definitely turn up. I'm not taking them just to the airport, which is five minutes away. That's what I expected. I never in a million years expected the unexpected. And so he, they said, we live next door. So they took me in this car, 
And when I say next door, because they drove me there, they said, oh, this is where we live. And as they're driving through the, into their driveway to show me, oh, this is show me where they live, they said, we sold the land to Willow Creek so they could buy their, build their church on it. And they took me around this massive house, massive driveway, turning circle in the middle of it, drive me out, and they parked me outside the Willow Creek Church, maybe just a few minutes' drive from where they actually lived. And I turned around to the fella who's the husband, because they were there. She, she was getting married, so they were fixing up a wedding reception there, you see. So I turned around to the man, and I said, are you an angel? Just, I'm just checking now, because this doesn't happen every day. Are you an angel? And, he look, and I could tell by the look of his face, he certainly wasn't. <laughs> That was an astonishing thing. But what did it tell me? And what did it teach me? You can be the other side of the world and God is watching over you. You can be the other side of the world and God sees you and knows you have a need. And then let me go back to the watch story. Me going to, to Willow Creek and going to the church and seeing it from my experience. To, to, I mean, I, I wanted to have my faith grown and be inspired. But at the end of the day, if I hadn't had it, I still knew about the church. It wasn't like a world-changing experience if it all went wrong. But God knew. God was there. God watched. And I want to encourage you. It doesn't matter where you are, who you are, what situation you're in, what the circumstances are. God is for you. He's not against you. And he loves to jump in and surprise you with his unexpected surprises. And so this season, I just want to encourage you to open your heart, your imagination, your prayers, to expect and believe that God can meet you in unexpected ways. And when that does, when that happens, be responsive, be believing, be grateful, be wowed. What's your need this Christmas? What's your need this season? Expect the unexpected. Who may God be sending you to this Christmas to do something unexpected for them. To meet somebody else at their point of need. To bring them hope and joy, relief and rescue. God often does unexpected things or does unexpected things in our life just to reassure us, just to encourage us that he is constantly, we are constantly on our mind and, he's con and we're constantly under his watch and we're constantly under his care. Let's pray. Father, there's nothing impossible for you and all of your words will come to pass. I thank you that you are the God of the expected miracle that when we pray believing for something, 
in faith that we expect you to do it. We don't always know how you will, but we expect you to do it. But I thank you that you even come to bless us and teach us and help us and be gracious and so incredibly kind to us when we don't even expect it and we haven't even prayed. But we serve you, the kindest person in the whole universe. You are the most loving, compassionate, kind person that anybody could ever know. And we thank you that your kindness and your goodness and involvement in our life and care of our life has nothing to do with our performance, how good we are, how faithful we are, but we have become your children. And you even engage in our lives when we're not expecting it and haven't even asked. So Lord, I pray that you'll open our hearts to be aware of your phenomenal love and goodness and grace, undeserving favor this season. And I pray that all over this church and even people watching online, there will be experiences that are expectedly unexpected and we will hear some amazing testimonies and stories of what you've done in this season and beyond. Amen.